my sweet listeners. I know it's been a while since I've done one of these up at the top introductions, but I must take this moment, take this platform to apologize for getting our episode out a day late. A day late and a dollar short. Apologies for my horrible attempt at impersonating Whitley from a different world at the end of this episode. I also wanted to mention that we do spend quite a bit of time at the top of this episode talking a little bit about the mental health struggles we've been having in the midst of this pandemic. So if you'd like to skip that, if you're like, I'm not here for that shit, I just want to hear about Pose, skip ahead about 15 minutes, 16 minutes, and you should be good. Also, we usually throw it back to a show or a movie or a book or whatever that we loved growing up. But this episode is about a show that is currently on television. So if that's not your bag, totally understand. But if it is, enjoy. We love you either way. Bye bye. or something that you're going to add to it bitters oh my god so here's my verbs your i love bullet bullet is so good i have bullet too i i mean i can't though i had the worst fucking migraine this weekend i just i'm trying to be off of alcohol for a little while just can't do it it was bad news i always feel so helpless when you like have these migraines So do I, boo. So do I. It sounds like hell. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, there's nothing I can do either. It's just like waiting it out. Have you ever seen the show? Have you ever watched Glow? No, but I've seen, you know, I've seen the trailers for it and stuff when it was on Netflix. Or I guess it's still on Netflix. Yeah. Highly recommend. But I feel like that show... did a migraine better than like any other show that I've ever seen because the girl who had a migraine like actually threw up and I was like yeah that's it (laughs) I was like yeah they don't really show that on other shows it's like "Mm -hmm, that's what it is sorry boo boo it's okay I'm still I'm 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 in a better mood now I have to say so I was gonna talk to you about like why I had such a dark couple of days but I thought I would save it for the pod because I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this like in your sphere as well, but there seems to be when I reached out to my therapist for sort of an emergency, like, can you squeeze me in appointment? She said, oh, a lot of people are asking me this week must be something in the air. (laughs) And I was like, oh, yes. And um, so I don't know if I've told you this, but uh, listeners, I went to Wellesley and the alumni network is very strong. And uh, we have this mental health community on Facebook that's, like, always pretty popping. But, like, you can always tell some shit's going down when it's, like, when you log on to Facebook and it's, like, 12 people have posted in this community Mm. in, like, the last 10 hours. And that's literally what it's been the last 48 hours. Um, So I don't know. know What it is? No, it's just, like, people are, well, I think a lot of it, a lot of people are just posting about, like, we're coming up on a year of being in quarantine and, like... Um, you know, I th- I think people are just feeling like I have felt the quarantine like doldrums or depression more than yeah. I have in the last year, like in the last few weeks. Um, yeah. So I th- and I, I I see a lot of that reflected in that community, but um, yeah. So uh, listeners, if that if you're feeling it, um, what's up? 
resonates? Is it? Yeah, that resonates. Yeah. How so? I think. Um, I mean, I, I'm feeling I'm feeling the beginnings of that. Um, me too. That's the that's the shitty part. Is like I think this is just the beginning of me yes, feeling like yes. this. I can tell. I can tell that I'm at the beginning of something. Yeah. That's number one. <laughs> number two. It is tied to this. Like, oh, holy shit! It's been a year. Like I've been in my apartment almost the entire year. Like, right. Save a week here, a week there. <laughs> like, I spent the entire year in this apartment, looking at the same fucking four walls. Like, yeah. So that piece of it. But then also, I think what was carrying me through, and I think this was also um, re- is very real. I was holding on to the promise of what November would mean, and then January would mean in yeah. terms of a change in the administration. Totally. Um, which could then usher in, and then realizing like problems don't get cleaned up that fast, right? So yeah. it's like great that we've ushered in a new chapter in political leadership, and it's going to take several years to undo the fuckery <laughs> that we just experienced. Most telling is in the pandemic, which is like, wasn't it Biden like a week or two ago that was just like, yeah, people are going to die. He said something totally like sad and pragmatic. I'm just like, people are going to die. Um, There's only so much we can do right now. (laughs) Like, you know, any intervention they put in place now is ideally what would curb spikes in the virus maybe two, three months out, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. We're still dealing with the fallout from New Year's. (sighs) Yeah, it's, yeah. And just, just knowing anecdotally, like how difficult it's been for some people to get vaccine appointments like I spoke to a Mm -hmm. neighbor who's like I'm not sure I want to get it I don't know like Mm -hmm. and it's like Mm -hmm. on one hand I'm like oh come on man but on the other I'm like I get it like I I get it this it's still relatively new and we still I don't know I can't with the exception of like true anti-vaxxers I can't really hate on people who are like suspicious of it and Right. Yeah. I don't know. So uh, just, yeah, knowing that we're coming up on a year and also knowing that we've we've got a long way to go is a lot. It's just a lot. And it's laughable because I think during the first several months of this, we kept looking ahead to like a couple months from now. Maybe we'll be out of this a couple months from now. Like maybe things will turn around, you know. And then there was Uh this turning point last year. Where it was like, right. oh, no. <laughs> We're about to be here for a minute. For a while. And um, so some of the ceremonial stuff we just did, like celebrating a new year, ushering in a new mm-hmm. administration, like all of the high of that is way over now. We're yeah. now fully in another calendar year. That's yeah. going to look a lot like the last calendar year. Yeah. Um, except people are angrier. Like, yeah. you know, why we're still clamoring for teachers to come back brick and mortar. Like literally everyone from people I deeply respect people I already would typically be on the opposite side of the aisle are like clamoring for teachers to come back. Like they're derelict in their duty for not doing so. And I'm like, until we have a federal response that requires states to prioritize teachers, for example, in the first tranches of you know administration of the vaccine, like what are we actually asking teachers to do? Like totally. put kids that are not their own above their own families to... Like risk being in, even if the kids are safe, like the kids are doing what they're supposed to do. How many of these teachers work in contexts where they have good reason not to trust their colleagues because they're totally negligent? Like, (laughs) like it's just no, like it's just and and I keep hearing conversations that are just like very binary, like all teachers are bad if they want to come back or all teachers are saints if they want to come back instead of realizing like every person is having to navigate 
given their own context and their own reality and their own health, you know, profile, mm-hmm. like what makes sense for them? Yeah. And we shouldn't be we shouldn't be disparaging anyone's choices here. Of course, I think there is a racist contingent. Let's assume, you know, I think because I think I think what people are hoping they're speaking to when they like get upset about this is like this racist contingent of like white educators, this like group of white educators that they think are working with black children and because they're working with black children are less willing to come back because they don't care about black children. Like that's what I think. That's what I think people are like trying to set up as like the straw man here. And I'm like, sure, like maybe y'all should have got rid of those people a long time ago anyway. Why are they still working in your system? Yeah, absolutely. Reality is we know racism racism is everywhere. I get it. But I just I just feel like we're setting up straw mans here when it's just a really hard, sad, awful like name, you know, adjective. Um, here. It's just it's just a shit show. And even states like New York apparently are changing vaccine administration rules. Like I was talking yeah. to my aunt this morning and she was saying she's nervous because she already got her vaccine. She's scheduled to get her second. But now there's talk of delaying the second vaccine right? so that more people can get the first. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure like one vaccine doesn't equal to immunity. So yeah. If the vaccine program yeah. is going to be successful, you should just give people the full vaccine. <laughs> like, Yeah, I'm I'm fully with you on that, especially considering like there's people who haven't shown up, you know, like for their... Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if someone has already shown up for the first shot, like give them the second fucking shot, you know? That too. All of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to it's your fucking point, messy. Shit, it's, shit's messy. And I think so the reason why messy. people are probably going into a really dark place is because the only thing that got us to not go there faster was the hope of mm. all of this part of it over delivering. Like, oh, yeah. we're going to get a vaccine. And then all of a sudden it's going to be like, right. America's great again. Right. America's going to show its prowess and like everyone's going to get vaccinated in two seconds. Yeah. So I mean, we're just, so 21 is going to look a lot like 2020. <laughs> so yeah. um, anyway, all of this is to say I got, and this was like, it was semi-related to, I'm not going to get into why I needed like a, you know, an emergency uh, therapy session yesterday, but I just got into like a woe is me spiral about something and um, it's funny because I've been, (laughs) I've had it in my head for a long time because I've been in therapy for like several years, probably almost like 10 years now, but. um, Good for you. Thanks, man. Thank you. You were were doing it before it was trendy. Before it was, I don't know about that. Before before everyone's self-care plan was Well, that's true, that's true. Before we had like better help and like talk space and all that stuff. And just the openness um, yeah. with which people talk about their therapy journey. That's like true. Now it's like, now it's like people judge you if you don't talk about it. That's true. <laughs> Though to be to be fair, I was also in New York, and like New York therapy culture, like has been a thing for a, I think for, for a while. while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny. So <laughs> I've always had this I, this very romanticized idea of like I want to have like my big breakthrough with my therapist, a la Goodwill Hunting. You know, Will, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. You know, like that scene. I want yeah. my like Goodwill Hunting moment, and I feel like I had it this morning, <laughs> and it was almost okay. verbatim like it's not your fault, Will. Like it was almost verbatim that. 
But the thing is, like, the way that it is in Goodwill Hunting is like they have they have very few therapy sessions. They have like six sessions or something, and then Will has this like major breakdown. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. He cries. Like they hug, and then like the narrative of the film is like Ma- Will is like magically healed from that, like from that one breakdown. And it was therapy in 1997. I know. I guess. Um, <laughs> But uh, literally, I had that breakdown this morning, and afterward, I didn't, you know, it's it's not like I feel, I still feel like a fucking mess, and I, I feel, you know, what was she talking about? She said there's like, there's a book that talks about clean pain versus dirty pain, is that what it is? Mm. Um, and that they're, like, this is, you know, an example of clean pain, it, it feels cleansing, it feels healing, it feels like, you know. Um, But I still don't feel like fucking ready to go to Stanford with Skylar or whatever Will does at the end of Goodwill Hunting. Like, I'm not magically whole again. It's like, all right, this is the first step in a a process, you know? So that's tough, man. I don't that narrative of like, you know, that very it's I don't know. And even therapy in general, I feel like I do believe it's like a lifelong pursuit you know and that you're not it isn't this like arc of i do this much therapy and then like i get a gold star and Uh go on my merry way you know so anyway i just thought i would share that anecdote anecdote (laughs) (laughs) Um, thank you for sharing um yeah sure a little bit more about what's what's up with you i appreciate it i mean i didn't i didn't share a whole lot but <laughs> I didn't really share because it's uh, it's like core wound, like deep shit. It's like the deep shit um, that I like to avoid talking about in therapy until I hit the point where I'm like, I got to talk about this. Eh. But yeah, just uh, expressing my solidarity because um, I, I have a feeling it's a dark time for a lot of us. So that's all. Yeah. Yeah. Get your support. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Like, I feel like we talked we talked way too much about like about shit but we're talking about like we, t- we talked way too much about real life shit what we're here to talk about today is well sh- i should say the category is uh, pose <laughs> the category is, is serving glamour serving glamour serving. my favorite pray tell line ever is um is it i think it's like one of the body categories when he says, oh, the tittiness of it all. <laughs> <laughs> the tittiness of it all. Oh, my God. I love yes. this show. I have to say, um, we were, since we're talking about quarantine, there have been really, like, two shows that have become my, my quarantine comfort watches, and it's Pose and Big Mouth. I've watched both of them in full probably, like, four or five times. Um, this is great because yeah. I'm only on my second rewatch, so you're gonna have to carry this one. This is amazing. That's cool. Seen it enough well, to- here's the thing: like, I think um, I don't think we have to talk too much about like what actually happens because the the show. I mean, it's very like a lot happens. That's the other thing I realized. Like rewatching the show, I was like, even in the pilot episode, I was just like, so much happens in this first episode. We meet so many characters. Yeah. Like it's an ensemble show, like by and large. And so much happens all the time. It's it's really just about the lives of these people. So just like broadly, um, Pose is a very groundbreaking show. I, I don't want to like get it wrong. I, I think it boasts the largest cast of trans actors ever. 
on well probably on like a, a show like a tv show a tv series yeah and um it's it's specifically it's a, it's an ensemble show about a bunch of uh friends uh who who meet through the new york city ballroom scene which i've tried to explain like what it is whenever i like recommend the show to people who aren't familiar with ballroom culture i'm just like i don't really know how to explain it <laughs> so, like, um watch paris is burning i don't know <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. How would you explain ballroom culture? Um, the thing that Madonna stole to make her career. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just say it's like underground. Queer. Queer. Affirmation of self, affirmation mm-hmm. of identity, affirmation of queer beauty, trans beauty. Black and brown um, beauty. Queer black folks and brown, of color. Yeah, exactly. Black and brown beauty. Mm-hmm. A safe haven from like the shame that also came with identifying as queer yeah in the 80s in the midst of the aids um epidemic mm-hmm. a place to have a parts of yourself affirmed yeah or your, or, or, or your whole self affirmed at a time where like literally every message was that you are a leper you are dangerous you are like deviant like sexually deviant mm-hmm. like just a place to reject all of that and it's super cool to see I mean, in, in fictional form, but, mm-hmm. you know, to get a window into that world, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, it really is. Um, and the show, uh, to my knowledge, um, uh, the, the they've 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 had a lot of folks work on the show who are actually part of the scene because um, bringing that to life authentically was really important to them. So I, I think that's great. I think what, what was so beautiful about what you just said is that the show The show obviously depicts that like in the ballroom scenes, but it also does this gorgeous job, especially in the first season of doing that within like the individual characters journeys. Mm -hmm. Like you have a lot of scenes where, you know, one of the characters experiences rejection or like invalidation in their like out in the world life. And then they they very consciously will go to a ball to get that validation and reaffirmation again. And then like, in some cases they don't get it and it's like devastating, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking mm-hmm. specifically about like Angel. I think when she gets rejected by Stan in one of the first episodes, like she comes to his work and he like, he says, I can't see you. And she goes to the ball, but like walks a category that's like not, you know, one of her categories or whatever. But the show does that really beautifully without like hitting you over the head with it, I feel. Who's your favorite character? Ah, this is so hard because I love all of them so much. I think that's why I get so sucked into the show and I love watching it so much. I just, I care about all of them. Uh, I feel like I relate to Blanca a lot and Blanca's so good hearted. Like I just really, I care about Blanca's journey a lot, which is interesting because I feel like when I, the first time I watched it, it took me a while to really get as interested in, in what Blanca was about. Angel is also, I think India Moore is, is so outstanding as a performer. India Moore who plays Angel and Oh, forgive me, listeners, because like I'm going to try to navigate. So like Angel, the character goes by she, India Moore, the actor goes by they. So I'm going to try to like navigate that. India Moore is such an outstanding performer and you get to see a little bit more of what they do in the second season, but you get like little snippets of it in the first season. I mean, they're, they're, oh, there's, ah, all right, I'm going to pull back for a second. So like this is a New York City show. So all the actors are New York based. And so you get this really great, what I like about New York shows is you, you tend to get a really good mix of like theater performers and film 
TV performers. And like in this mm-hmm. show, you have obviously like Billy Porter and MJ Rodriguez, who are both like titans of Broadway. Um, they're musical uh-huh. theater actors. They both have been for a while and they're like leading the show. And then you have all these other folks who have done like primarily on camera stuff. So I feel like the performance styles are like there's a wide range of performance styles on the show and they're all like really beautiful and, and wonderful. I feel like someone like uh, when you watch someone like Billy Porter, for example, like he's you he's very trained. Like you can tell, you know, that he's um I don't know, which is not to say that he's not a spontaneous performer, but I feel like he's he's done a lot of work and like thought a lot about how he's going to play every scene, whereas I feel like someone like India Moore is a little more spontaneous and raw. There are a couple of scenes where Angel breaks down, particularly in the second season, where her, her voice, like, the <laughs> again, this is where I'm like, Angel's vo- India Moore's voice just gets this very raw quality about it, you know? Mm. Where it's like this uncontrollable kind of thing, and I just love that shit. Angel might be one of my favorite characters. She might be. I don't know. It's hard, though. And I also love Ricky, but I think that's mostly because I think he's, like, the cutest person on the face of the fucking earth. He's so (laughs) cute. He's so cute. Who's your favorite character? And who do you relate to? This is a good question. (laughs) I don't... I, I love that I asked it, and now I'm about to answer it in this, like, like cop-out way. Oh! But, like, I don't know that I have a favorite character, but I definitely have, like, favorite interactions. Ooh. Well, throughout season one, like, the relationship between Praetel and... Blanca? Um, and Blanca. Oh, yes. I have this, like, I don't want to call it a fascination, because that sounds like a weird thing to call it, but I have this deep curiosity of understanding the journeys that people go through once they learn they're HIV positive yeah, and how they have to learn to love themselves and to still fight for what they desire, which, you know, is like in most cases, like the hardest part around coming to terms with your HIV positive identity is like thinking of yourself as a full sexual yeah. being deserving of romantic love. Totally. Um, and so watching, you know, throughout all the things I've watched, you know, Rent or a normal heart or you know name your like 80s <laughs> saga film angels in america you know like that's always a theme of just like mm-hmm. how do these people relearn that they're lovable um, yeah and so billy porter and um mj rodriguez and their associated characters like you know taking us on that journey with them is really powerful to me that, yeah. That's one of my favorite relationships, too. What? Who else? What are the other ones? Well, even though they don't work out. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> Ricky, Ricky and Damon. <laughs> See, it's funny because, um, like, I'm, I'm very on the fence about how I feel about Ricky and Damon actually being together. Especially after um, what happens in season two. Mm-hmm. You know? Because Ricky, because mm-hmm. spoiler alert, Ricky and Pray Tell is like, I love it. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, um, and there is something really beautiful about but like, that. But that was also still tied to the same thing we we're just. I talking know, about. I know, because they're both they both find out they're positive, and it's sort of like yeah. they they have they, in a way, they have to find solace in each other. Oh, I love Ricky so much. Uh. I also love little Poppy. <laughs> little Poppy is everything. <laughs> <laughs> little Poppy and Angel getting it, Tagawa. Since we're talking season two, so like Angel and Poppy are everything. 
<laughs> they're, they're everything to me. They are relationship goals. I can't deal with them. And I love, I have to say, like, I mean, I love both seasons, but what I love about season two is the whole, like, is their whole journey and also, like, Angel's journey as a model. Yeah. Um, that, that's, like, fucking fascinating. <laughs> this is so fucked up, but there's, so there's this after, like, Angel becomes, like, this very successful, like, mainstream model. And um, Angel and Poppy starts representing her, like, in addition to being her boo. Um, and they get, uh, they go to this party and they, and they end up doing cocaine and, like, mm-hmm. and they have a really, like, sexy night. And every time I watch that, I'm like, I'm like, this looks really good. Like, maybe I should do some cocaine. <laughs> Just because they, watch. they I, make I it look so good. <laughs> I do remember that episode. I don't remember all of the things you're talking about, but I do remember like, They're, like them grinding getting to this, like, pretty and being fancy. Really right. Like I remember them getting to this like, pretty like fancy party and them feeling like out of sorts for a while mm-hmm. and then someone like gives them a line. And... Uh-huh. But um I'm attracted to everyone on this show. Like I just have to name that. Like I feel well, like everybody's so attracted. <laughs> I was re-watching today, so I saw Kate Mara. Yeah. As Stan's wife. Your boo. I was like, hey, Kate. <laughs> you know what it is, especially in the in Pose. Um, so, OK, again, like stepping back, the interesting thing about like season one versus season two and me and I have talked about this offline, which is that. So obviously this is a really groundbreaking show, but I feel like in the approach to season one, they still sort of like structured it in such a way that they were like trying to minimize risk and I'm putting that in quotes like in terms of just like they have you know they have the ballroom scene and they have that cast of characters and then you also have these like very wealthy like white Wall Street characters who and and they cross paths and it is really beautifully done like how that unfolds and it's very interesting but I still feel like it really annoys me when I watch season one because all three of those actors, I think Kate Mara, James Vanderbeek, and Evan Peters all get top billing in the in the opening credits. And that really pisses me off when I watch it. I'm like, why yeah. the fuck are they getting top billing? They're not nearly in as much of the show as, the, as these other people are. But anyway, so Kate Mara and Evan Peters are married and they live in Jersey and they're like Jersey people. And she feels like very Jersey, Jersey in the people. show. And she's got that like raspy like... You know, like kind of voice, Jersey. and I'm like, ah. She's like, I She's want a dishwasher. <laughs> Can you get me a dishwasher? Trying to think, like, what are the other relationships that I love? There's this whole. There is a fandom around Helena St. Rogers, Damon's the dean of dance at Damon's dance school, and Blanca being a thing. And I want to read fan fiction about it. She's, uh, I forget the actress's name, but she's one of the Charlene act- Woodard. Yes. She's also uh, one of Aunt Viv's sisters on The Fresh Prince. <gasps> I love that actress. I know. Yes. I know. <laughs> I know. And she's like um, she's perfectly like, she's, she's cast like, in this role. Like, <laughs> well, she's also like the hottest. Sister. Um, <laughs> sister. <laughs> she's dreamy. Yeah. 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 She's like the one I'm like, hey. I know. Who's the wait, who's the actress um with the really deep voice, the really funny one? She's so fucking oh, funny. Oh, Jennifer she, Lewis. She's my favorite. She's definitely my yeah, favorite. She's, oh, yeah, she's oh yeah, she's the she's the best. She's, she's the also most from St. Louis. What? Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. I love yeah. her. She's so funny. People really claim her here. What's crazy is that like 
you could watch that, which is uh, so early episodes of Fresh Prince. You could watch. Um, she was on a different world, right? And it's like that was like thirty years ago, and she's the same person now. <laughs> like, like, like she was actually in her thirties. That makes me sick. Then, which <laughs> that is makes like me what? Sick to my stomach. <laughs> Let me oh see how old God. this one is. She's these are these are like literally 30, 30 years ago. I mean, I believe. And right it. now she's she's sixty four, so she was in her <laughs> early thirties. <30s. laughs> I reject this. I reject this. Like literally playing oh, like God. Will's aunt. Right. And she was coded as like 40s, but she was early 30s. I have to say, I mean, like, we'll we'll put a pin in this for when we do Fresh Prince. But like, I have so many questions about timeline and Fresh Prince. Because I feel like that show went on Don't for like... <laughs> Don't make sense of the timeline, I know, Caitlin. what am I trying to do? Like, just... just this was before... This was TV it. before just they recognized it. that every show was going to live in syndication forever. And that yeah, people would look back like, on well, it and it would continue to be critiqued forever. I'm just like, is... Whenever I watch it, I'm just like, is Hillary, by the end of the show, is Hillary like 30? And she's like living at home. Like, I just don't yes. get it. Like, I don't get it. Yes. Because um, yes. that show lasted 10 years. But really, like, Will and Carlton are still in the house. And I'm just like, y'all are, y'all were like late teens when this show started. <laughs> so, like, what well, do you Well, think? they were in the house, but they made, they, they, they lived, lived in, in the, the pool, pool house. house. Okay. <laughs> Which is totally house. some rich people shit, right? It like, is some rich people you don't leave, shit. You, you, don't, you don't actually leave. It's you go true. to the pool house. It's true. I actually have multiple <laughs> friends that did that. Oh, my God. But back to Pose. Can we talk about Electra? I can't say Yes, Electra. Yes. Yes. Dominique Jackson. Tell me all um, the things. I, I love her. I understand why we're not supposed to, but I love her anyway. I also love you know? her. And I think it's like a, a survivor. It's like she's this, totally I a fucking survivor. And I feel like I love the turn in season one where like obviously like falls falls from grace is not like the right way of putting it. That sounds ridiculous. But like, you know, Electra Electra is a trans woman and she wow. has wanted sexual reassignment surgery for a really long time. But what complicates that is that she's been financially supported by this man who she's been in a relationship with for like 10 years, something like that. Shout out to Chris Maloney. I'm so excited that the role was played by him because I love him. And he he doesn't want her to have the surgery. Her realizing like her fully realizing her identity is wrapped up in like him financially supporting her. Um, and then when she makes the decision to go through with the surgery, he like breaks up with her, cuts her off, and um, all this awful he stuff. He wanted so. her. He wanted her to not have surgery. Yes, yes. Oh. This and is why she, bodily autonomy is so important. I right? know. It's like in order for her to claim her body as her own, basically, she like had to make a choice that was like financially. Mm-hmm. To her detriment, at least in the short term. Totally. So she goes from like this seemingly invincible character who like is is a rarity on the show in that like a she she quote like passes. She can mm-hmm. pass as as um as a cis woman and that she has the money, she has plenty of money to um, support herself and to support the children in her house. And then that's sort of taken away from her and she she ends up essentially like 
having to becoming an exotic dancer again. So this brings up an interesting thing that every time I try to make parallels between race and gender, like people try to like, not not all, not all people, but I have a number of people in my life that try to like stop me from making these parallels. Yeah. But, it, but in my mind, the fact that she wields her passing privilege around is in my mind a form of misogyny is built upon this idea of like a real woman right and a not real woman totally and so when a trans identity which should be queer not should be but like is or should be whatever let's take away the should because the normative part doesn't matter but just like the idea that a trans identity is then gonna like reify you know a hegemonic understanding of gender as a construct mm-hmm. like it's like deeply disappointing to me <laughs> yeah um i understand why that happens because mm-hmm. you're seeking acceptance yeah. and the more proximate you are to a cisgender woman like ostensibly the more acceptance you may receive right but then to turn that around and wield it on others yeah yeah um to me that's like similar to the way like lighter skinned black people depending on the era right like it's more common maybe in the past maybe it's still happening now i don't know Mm -hmm. but like would pass as white and you often don't get like a lot of media treatment of that other than just like showing what it gave what it gave that person access to Mm -hmm. so i haven't really seen maybe i just haven't seen enough media but like i haven't really seen i haven't seen any in a while i feel like it was a lot more prominent in like the 50s 60s kind of thing yeah where yeah. you also then see like how someone with this privilege could potentially then engage in like colorism yeah or right or treat black people darker skinned black people as somehow like subservient to you you know I haven't right seen that but I'm yeah sure it's, there. it's like an but i pass so being... i'm entitled and yeah i'm yeah. better i'm better and than I'm just you like, yeah. yeah i'm just like i'm not i'm not here for it now like i said i love electra i just those early scenes where she's like coming for Blanca I'm like shut the fuck up bitch. I mean that happens that happens like throughout the show yeah it, it it's really upsetting like how Blanca is like shit on from day one in the series for like not like they always talk about like how Blanca like Blanca like will immediately get clocked as they say you know mm-hmm. what I was gonna say is like it's even what you were just saying is even like embedded in the ballroom scene because they have they have all these categories around realness and being able mm-hmm. to pass and like that's mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. that is like you get scored higher if you can pass like and they have those um i think it's later in the season they start doing this thing where like the contestants i guess you call them contestants go up to the the judges and they get inspected like the judges like will touch their skin and like mm, see if it's mm-hmm. soft and like yeah it's um and <laughs> it's another one of my fa- I feel I love like all of Praytel's lines but like um I'd be really curious how much of his lines are scripted and how much are improvised by Billy Porter but anyway what does he say like is she real is she altogether lovely or is it bullshit that theme is like so is is all throughout the show but Electra, Electra Abundance. I'm a House of Evangelista girl. As Ride you or die. Be. Ride or die. House of Evangelista. It's the best house. It is be the best name. house. And it has the best name, too. And it's about the heart of the show. It's like, <laughs> it is. Come one, come all. Like, there's a scene 
Maybe it is the end of season one where they like are outside of the ballroom and those kids show up. That's season two, I think. And that uh, and it really upsets me because the implication is that like there's a new like I'm not ready to let go. Yeah, through. I'm like not ready to yeah, let go. But, of no, these but people. I was bawling, but I yeah. was crying though. I was like, oh my god. They're passing the torch. It's true. Like, <laughs> I'm just not ready. Because again, like spoiler alert. So Blanca, Blanca's HIV progresses to AIDS at the beginning of season two, and then she becomes quite sick, like toward the end of season two, and kind of says to Angel, like, "You're gonna have to. Ta- I I need you to take over the house for me, basically. Like, if and when I die." But I'm not ready for that to happen. <laughs> like, I'm really. I'm not me ready. Me neither. I'm not ready. Which is why, like, I need season three yesterday. So we haven't given we haven't given any attention to the soundtrack on this show, which is like bananas because it is the best soundtrack on the face of the earth. Yeah, we haven't talked about that. How have we not I talked know. about that? Remember? I don't know. So it's like, so I know we talked about how Ghost Rider sort of perfectly encapsul- encapsulates what it was like growing up in New York. Um, in the early 90s and just being a kid and whatnot. And I feel like yeah. this show does the 80s. I think I'm bi- like, we're biased because we're New York City kids, but I feel like this show does the 80s better than any other show that I've ever seen. Like, I agree that, with that. And that includes Glow and that includes Stranger Things. Very bold statement, I know, but that soundtrack is awesome. Well, Stranger Things chain. is a very specific. It's 80s. very specific, yeah. And Stranger Things is more like early 80s, whereas Pose yeah, exactly. starts in like 87, 85. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. I think it's too, yeah, I think yeah. there's, and the, and the decade f- feels split very much. It does. Between those two, you know, like E.T. World and then like. Yes, E.T. You know, World, Madonna, absolutely. Like, E.T. World and then like Madonna World. Right. <laughs> and here we are. And Pose, like, so you have obvious, you have like all this amazing, like. R and B, you have tell it. You have like seven, and you have like all the seventies like R and B. You have like Diana Ross tunes and shit like that, and you have um, all this amazing like eighties nineties freestyle music. So it's just like yeah, it's like disco R and B, everything disco. Yeah, what did you call the one we just the freestyle? We just freestyle. Thank you. Forgot about let the music play. You get away. Yeah, yeah, shit like that. All of it. All so if that's your jam, like started dancing in Caitlin and I went to a freestyle concert a couple of years ago. We sure did. We sure did. Radio City Music Hall. They do it every year. They do it every year. And that was a joy. I swear, when I first watched this show, like every song that came on, like I gave a little scream or a squeal because I was just like, this soundtrack is bananas. I can't. This soundtrack is bananas. <laughs> B-A-N-A-N-A-S. I just want to marry like whoever the music supervisor is. That's, that's all I wanted. To right, do. but we, but it could have been us, yeah. Could have been, could have been. But you know what? Like, I mean, we would have done exactly the same job. I feel. Oh, okay, my favorite Bobby Brown song is on this soundtrack. Wait, what song? Ron- Roni. I love Roni. Roni's so good. Which like, um, um, a friend of mine, <laughs> um, described two types of R&B love songs that I and I found this description to be hilarious the first ones are songs that sing to your heart (laughs) 
The second one are songs that sing between your legs. Yeah, I knew. I thought I thought you and were gonna <laughs> say like that. Sing to your loins. Same same deal. Yeah, exactly. Same same diff. idea. And once you like hear that, you can't unhear it. You know, you realize like, oh, <laughs> this song was designed to sing to my nether regions. Pero song- here's my question: Are there songs that do both? Ooh, I'll think about that. I will think about there that. There is probably but, like a top three or a top five of songs that do both. But I realized, I realized something. I guess this is what maybe what you're you're about to highlight for me is mm. like, so <laughs> "Roni" by Bobby Brown is a song that's designed. I don't actually. It's Bobby Brown. It probably was not designed to sing to your heart. It probably was designed to sing to your crush. Let's be clear. But like, I feel like someone my mom's age, some, someone my mom's age listening to Roni, like when it came out, like maybe it was sing, it was singing to her heart. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. the truth about Roni. She's a sweet old girl. I'm at, you know, it's like whatever. But like in my mind, my little five, exactly, my little five year old mind, like he was singing to my nether region. Like I was like, <laughs> I mean, I feel like the like, beat I, is inherently like. You know, it's very it's very sexual beat. Well, it's it's also just like the lyrics are about are about, are about like him, which is all bad and sexist and whatever. But it's like it's Bobby Brown putting a woman on a pedestal of some kind, like you know that she's she, that she meets his like virtue criteria right. of like a woman that he would take home to mom or whatever. But really, once he's locked her up or locked, you know, got her, you know, on lock, whatever. Then, mm-hmm phrases he's gonna tear that ass up like it's clear (laughs) (laughs) for some reason you saying that it made me imagine you as a kid in like little kid voice being like when he gets her home he's gonna tear her ass up (laughs) well i mean and that's i think um, I think that's, I mean, I think everything we just said is like at the heart of why America rejected Bobby Brown as Whitney Houston's mate, you know? Mm. Like everyone thought that he was like the dirty, like one who was going to like, you know, turn her into a naughty girl or whatever, even though it's like women can choose how they want to be. Totally. And there wasn't enough, All I mean, there was, own. there was zero recognition of the fact that like her, her persona as a singer, as a pop singer, was like heavily, like heavily crafted. Crafted, exactly. Um, it was, it was um, cultivated. Cultivate. What's the word? Curated. 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 That's the word. That's the word. That's the word I was, I was looking to. for. Yep. There you go. Curated. Yeah. Yeah. It was like yes. heavily curated and not a reflection of who she actually was. By any like, stretch of the imagination, be. like Whitney was hood as hell, and yeah. basically, <laughs> and a bisexual. <laughs> And a bisexual queen. Uh, And a bisexual woman. Yes. Whitney, thank you for representing us out there in the world. Thank you. And she was so rejected, right? Like, there's so many, like, we are are misunderstood as a people. We sure are. There are too few stories. There are are a few stories that tell that story better than Whitney Houston, you know? (sighs) Anywho. Pose, Roni, get into it. It's my favorite song on the soundtrack. Whitney is all, Whitney is very prominently featured in season one when Damon has his big dance audition. Because he, yeah, I mean um, some of the some of the bangers. It takes two, Rob Bass. Ugh, it's uh, so good. Just like ah, uh, so good. Um, the running up that hill by Kate Bush, featuring oh. prominently as well. So good. 
Pump up the jam. Yes. 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 Every song Strike that it plays, up. Strike it up. Strike yeah. it up. <laughs> Basically, every song that plays at the ball. Um, I got a meeting in the ladies' room. That's a good one. Check out the soundtrack on Spotify. And like for the Nasty sh- girl. Yes. 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 Whenever I like recommend this show to, to, to people, they ask, you know, is it is it a dark show? And I'm like, I mean, there's darkness in there, you know. But what I love about the show is that the darkness is is like right alongside these really joyful, highly theatrical, like performative ballroom scenes. Like if you watch I feel like you'll be you'll be sucked in immediately if you just watch the pilot. Like the opening of the pilot is amazing. It's just like amazing television. That whole opening sequence of them like going into the museum and stealing all the the um the royal whatever's <laughs> costume yeah. is not the right word. Royal clothing, whatever. And then wearing it at the, the mall. royal costumery. Costumery, finery. <laughs> Um, and then them getting arrested. I love when they the walk mall. out in handcuffs. Yeah, it's the best when Electra goes like, "Oh, we haven't even talked about Lulu and Candy, who I love." I love Lulu because fu- Lulu, Lulu is hot. The, the actress that plays Lulu, Haley Sahar. Yes. I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew you would love her. I know. Um, the I'm so that, basic. She's, she's on so much other stuff. <laughs> she well, does, she's on a bunch yeah. of other stuff that I like, like Good Trouble. It's another show that I watch that she's on, and I love it. Oh, I didn't know she's on that show. Yeah, I yeah. love, I love Haley Sahar. I am attracted to her. I am basic. Yada, yada, yada. My, my, <laughs> my taste is predictable. Blah, blah, blah. Um, Angelica Ross, who plays Candy, is fucking hilarious. And her death in season two, season two alert, is, is like devastating. But she, she's such a good actor. She's, she's excellent. She's one of my top people. My top actors on the show. There's been a lot of controversy I don't know if controversy is the right word but like the academy at large has gotten a lot of flack for nominating Billy Porter two years in a row and not nominating any of the actresses on the show which yeah I I fully agree with and I don't think it's a matter of like merit you know what I mean I think uh MJ Rodriguez India Moore Angelica Ross like all three of those people are like outstanding so they should yeah. also be nominated. Um, is there anything else you want to make sure our listeners know about our love for Pose? Just before? that it's wonderful and please watch it. And, you know, uh, when season three comes out, watch that too and support it. We want this yeah. show to keep going as long as it can. It's like a good show if you want to get in t- get back in touch with like what being a human is. Very yeah. well said. It's like, they, it's like they love each other the way I think humans should be loved. Yeah. They support each other the way humans should be loved. It's about fan, fan, found family. They challenge each other the yes. way humans should challenge each other. Yes. Yes. And there's a foundation of trust that makes all of that possible. So I forgot to say happy Black History Month because it's already yeah. begun. And uh, with that said, what are we doing next week? Yeah. Oh, is it Different World? Isn't that our first one? I think it is. I think it is. Whitley. Y'all get ready for me to go to town about the love between Wayne Wayne and one Whitley Gilbert. Wayne Wayne and Whitley. (laughs) Yeah.